For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. of Over the Line. You guys have been so patient and so kind. Not really. Some of y'all have been really hateful, if I'm being honest. Some of y'all are being mean to me by not doing the podcast. But I get it. I don't hold that against you. I know y'all want me to be putting out content. So much stuff happening in the news. Y'all need to know my opinion on it. I put it out there on Twitter, but that's not enough. Y'all need podcasts. Y'all need consistent podcasts. So we bring them to you as soon as we can. We've got a lot of exciting things going on that I will tell you about. Um, but so much going on in the news. Now, today in the news, n- not that exciting, but over the past week or so, there's been so much that uh, we can break down, especially as you see, if you're watching on YouTube, you see in the title, the abortion ban in Alabama. That's a theme that is sweeping across the heartland where states are making moves to adjust their abortion laws to outright ban abortion and, and other things. We'll, we'll get into all that. I got plenty to say on that because here's what I've had to do. I've had to sit around and listen to everybody else talk about abortion and talk about our state of Alabama. And I'm just over here twiddling my thumbs. Now, I have had several people hit me up and want to know my opinion. And y'all know I've got plenty of uh, of liberal friends who contact me. And you can always tell where they're going with it. And I, I usually reel them in and then I disappoint them because I don't, I don't find them on it. But you can tell when they first hit you up. And most of y'all see this on Facebook so you can relate to it. They hit you up. 
and they bring up the issue, the abortion issue, and then they immediately get hostile. Because they know where you're going to be coming from on the issue. They kind of know what your roundabout opinion is. So they come into the conversation wanting to fight you. And some of y'all have lost friends because of that. And I'm sorry. But they'll get over it. It's not like abortion just was just like created this week or last week. It's not new. It's just a conversation that you hadn't been having with your friends. Now you are. Thanks to KIV. Thanks to Alabama. But there's plenty on that front. We'll get into it. We've also got to talk about this IG report. What's going on in Washington as the deep state is getting closer and closer to being exposed. I'll give you my Sean Hannity spill. You know how he goes every night and he kind of says the same thing over and over. Which is important. I don't want to hate on Sean Hannity for that. It may not make for good TV, but he's got high ratings, so he ain't got nothing to worry about. Just keep doing your thing. If it's not broke, don't fix it. He knows that. Why, that's why he's successful. Um, OverTheLineShow.com. That's the website. We're going to be throwing up some new stuff on there very soon. I'm going to try to keep the, the videos and stuff updated. You can always, if you ever have a problem listening to this podcast, the updated or the latest podcast is always posted on the website there's a media player there you just go to the website you click it you listen to it i know it's not as convenient to listen to a podcast from a website like if you're having to go through your browser on your phone or whatever list it's not as convenient it's easier to have an app like your apple podcast or anchor or whatever so you can do that i'm just saying if something ever arises and you're looking for a way to listen it's always going to be there. Always, always, always. And so, uh, what else? Oh, let me put this out there, and I'll remind you guys towards the end of the show about this as well. And I'll, I I just kind of want to brush over. I don't want to give you too many details because I really don't have any. Y'all have seen me post a couple videos on the Facebook page, on my personal Facebook page, as well as the Over the Line page. If you haven't added Over the Line, make sure you go do that over the line on Facebook and subscribe to this YouTube channel. If you're watching YouTube, click the notification bell. You'll know when the show starts. Um, on those videos, we talked about a new business venture that I have gotten into. And this new business venture, it is something to, you know, obviously support the family and, and whatever else. But a big part of it is to um, generate some income in order to keep this this podcast going and keep it consistent, which is our ultimate goal. That's, that's the one thing that we're looking to do here on Over the Line, keeping this bad boy consistent. And once we kind of get some breathing room, y'all know how this is. Once we get some breathing room, we're going to make that happen. But this new business venture, I'm very excited about it. At first, I was very resistant to it. I was against it because I, I'm I'm not in the business of selling. I'm not a sales guy. You know, I, I in the in the sales world, I can get on the air and I can tell you guys about, um, say I've I've got an advertiser on the show. Or let's, let's take a real example. Let's take Nick the Marketer at nickthemarketer.com. I can get on here and sell you Nick the Marketer because I use Nick the Marketer. 
So I know the product, I know the service, I know he does a good job, so it's easy for me, who's currently using him, to tell you, hey, Nick does a good job, make sure you get in touch with him at nickthemarketer.com. But as far as selling stuff, like selling products, or you know, even selling radio advertising, they try to get the host to do that stuff. Like cold calling, showing up at businesses, and, and it's just, it's not my style. I can't. I can't do it. I can do it if I have to. I just don't like doing it. So I was resistant to this at first when I was approached by uh, Kayla Riley, who, you know, from Sirius XM, Octane, Sirius XM Turbo. She approached me, uh, me and uh, Trish, my girlfriend, she approached us about this, her and her husband, and said, We've got this thing. We want to tell you about it. We're not asking you to do anything. Yada, yada. We just want you to see what we got going on that has done great things for us. I said, okay. Well, let's check it out. I'm excited. to. I didn't know Kayla at the time, but I was excited to meet her. And, and Trish introduced us and all that because she had been friends with her for a while. And they tell us about all this stuff. And uh, it's it's health and wellness products. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I dig the health and wellness stuff. I'm an organic guy in the sense of um, being able to maintain your health, especially when it comes to pain relief, just regular aches and pains or serious aches and pains and any of this other stuff. I'm, I'm all ears, but I'm still not in the business of selling stuff. I don't like it. Don't like doing it. So we check it out. They convince us. To buy some of these products and test them out. And they say, you try them. We don't want you to, you know, uh, say it's good without trying it. You need to know for yourself. And I agree with that. So we got some. We, In particular, we ordered uh, the CBD products. Now, this is a topical cream. Also, some, some CBD oil. You just take it and you drip it under your tongue or whatever. It's pretty much full-spectrum CBD. It doesn't have any THC. So you're not getting high or anything. Uh, but we get it and we try it. And this stuff, I've tried CBD stuff before. This stuff was second to none. It's by far the best CBD stuff. Because I've had the stuff in the gas stations and in CBD other places. This stuff is amazing. It was absolutely amazing. So at that point, piqued my interest. I said, all right, t- tell me what's going on. They want to b- partner with us. They want to be business partners in this uh, in this company selling these these high quality products, so we agreed to it. So what we've done is we've started our own business, and it's called Mana Health and Wellness. M A N A Health and Wellness. Now, what is Mana? Y'all know Mana. Mana from heaven, like uh, Mana is like health and prestige and whatever. But the reason we're going with Mana. Are you ready for this? Make America natural again. How about that? So Mana Health and Wellness, that is our our new business. Uh, I'll be reminding you guys about that. If you want information on Mana Health and Wellness, you let me know. You send me a message through the Over the Line page, uh, on my personal page, whatever you want to do. Contact me. I'll get you any information you need. And also, we're doing a, a kind of conference call seminar things every so often that if you want to be a part of that or possibly get in on uh, this business 
you can let me know that as well, and we'll uh, get you in on a conference call and kind of explain everything. No obligations. You're not forced to do anything. It's just spending some time and listening to what we got to say. That's it. That's all it is. So, Mana Health and Wellness, we will have a... Um, a social media page up very soon as well as the website so i will keep you guys updated as we go along uh, where you can find that and you got all your information there and if you want to order some stuff whatever the case is it's all good it's high quality stuff so i'm not going to be attaching my name i can't as a radio guy i can't afford to attach my name to something that's uh you know a bunk product or that people are getting scammed on so uh i'm going with this one i'm putting my name on this one all right uh, outside of all that, let's start talking about some news. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? 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 Happy Tuesday. All right, we're ready. Uh, off the top, some of the big news as of today, a lot, a lot of talk, if you've been watching the news or listening to talk radio, is about Iran and the fact that there's a new report out talking about Iran quadrupling their production of low-level enriched uranium. Now, these are coming from um, officials. The uh, Iranian foreign minister trading threats back and forth with Donald Trump, saying the hostility, and the, this is my favorite, the Democrats are saying the hostility from Iran is all Donald Trump's fault. Because Iran wasn't, Iran wasn't hostile before Donald Trump got there. Iran's the, the nicest country on the planet, right? Spreading joy and money and guns to terrorists. So if this report is correct, and they have quadrupled their their enriched uranium, that could be an issue. Now, this all was supposed to be, quote-unquote, this was supposed to be a deal that was covered uh, covered under the Iran nuclear deal, right? The Iran nuclear deal was supposed to prevent Iran from doing this stuff. Well, I guarantee you, just since we've left the Iran nuclear deal, this quadrupling of enriched uranium did not start, did not did not happen in that time frame. Stuff has been going on. This was going on under Obama's stupid little deal. Stupid little Iranian. And they've probably taken a lot of that money that was sent to them and contributed to this. And that's why they quadrupled that production. Assuming this report is correct, and they have done so. But with that, tensions are escalating, and they will continue to escalate until the pot boils over. What that looks like, I have no idea. Does it include military action? I do believe Donald Trump will take military action if he has to. If Iran threatens or harms the U.S. or U.S. interest, action will be taken. But as you know, Donald Trump's the type of guy that doesn't like to get involved in, in a war, in any wars. You go back, you look at his record or his public comments. He was against Iraq and all this other stuff. He's not in the business of doing that. And it would probably be a pretty crappy idea to do that coming up to an election in 2020. 
It's not a good idea. But the thing is, the difference is, Donald Trump is the type of person that thinks what's best for America first, what's best for me politically second. Because I guarantee you, if you're a fly on the wall in the Oval Office, and they're having discussions about some of the most important issues of the day, that Donald Trump has to be walked back by senior administration officials saying, I know that's the right thing to do, or I know that's what's best for the country, but we need to take a different route before we do that for political reasons. It probably happens daily. Because this guy's not a political guy. He's, he's been learning, and I think he's learned, but from the get-go, he was having to learn on the job. Learn how to be a politician. Learn how to save political face, if you will. But he came out swinging. He came into this job swinging, looking to do what's right for this country with no regard for what it looked like politically. He doesn't care. And everybody knows that. I know that. You know that. Democrats, liberals, socialists alike know that. He don't care. Whether you agree with his agenda or not, he is certainly looking to promote and push his agenda forward and not save political face. So, we'll watch Iran, see what happens there. It's going to be exciting. I'm sure you know. Going to be a party in the Middle East. So, that's going on. And also, I want to point out, before I get further in here, Jeff Port will be on the show today. Uh, I wanted to squeeze him in because the shows have been so inconsistent. And I always appreciate his insight. I want to I want to kind of get into him with that. He turned out, I was at, as you guys know, the Bernie rally, Bernie Sanders rally in Birmingham uh, Sunday. And... He was there as well. I just didn't know it. I completely missed that. So we're going to talk to him about that a little bit. Who else did I see there? Oh, for those of you that listen to Talk 99.5 in Birmingham, Jason Lee, producer for the Richard Dixon Show, you know, he's a pretty big liberal guy. He was there as the uh, representative for Talk 99.5. So I got to see him for a minute. And speaking of those guys, see, I'm, I'm scatterbrained, so y'all hang with me. Y'all follow me, okay? I know I'm all over the road. Before I forget, starting a week from today, a week from today, I will be on Talk 99.5 for the entire week after Memorial Day. So next Monday is Memorial Day on the Matt Naughty Show. Matt Murphy will be taking a vacation. I'll be filling in with Andrea Lindenberg. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. All four hours, as far as I know. So you guys will uh, will get some Andrew McLean all week on your radio dial. If it's not in your area, talk995.com. You can listen there online. And they've got podcasts as well. So if you miss it, you can later in the day go back and listen to it on their, uh, their website there. It's very fancy. Podcast or the way of the future. Let's move over to House Democrats keeping the Russia collusion narrative alive. Such desperation on the part of these people. I've never seen desperation that was so deep to keep something alive that is dead. 
that's been dead was really dead before we knew it was dead. And that is the Russia hoax, the Russia witch hunt. So just to take a step back, we finally get the Mueller report, the long-awaited Mueller report, and it is a big letdown. The air was let out of the balloon, per se, once the report came out. And if you recall, if we go back and look look at the the media landscape in the days and weeks before the report was released, say it's like a two-week time period before the report is released, you started to get murmurs from the media that this report may be a giant letdown. You were hearing it from people like um, James Clapper. You were hearing it from the talking heads. You were hearing it from some of the reporters in Washington, D.C. They were coming out and they were like, you know, sources are telling us. And when they say sources, they mean people actually from Mueller's team who's been leaking them information through the entire investigation. Sources are telling us that the Mueller report may not be as incriminating as we once thought. Oh, yeah. The Mueller report may not be the thing that throws the president in jail. Oh. That's my NPR um, imitation, impersonation, if you will. Oh, the Mueller report. Oh. <laughs> That's got to be good to listen to. So, they started kind of preparing their people. The people that they lied to for two years straight. They started preparing them for the sad reality that Trump wasn't going to be going to jail after the Mueller report was released. They lied to them for two years. CNN lied to their, their viewers for two years. MSNBC lied to their viewers for two years. Democrats lied to their voters for two years. Claiming the evidence was out in the open that Donald Trump colluded. The evidence was out in the open that Donald Trump obstructed justice. And so it was just a matter of time. We know... We know what happened. We know Donald Trump committed treason. We know he colluded with Russia. We know he obstructed justice. We're just waiting for it to come out on paper from Robert Mueller himself. That paper comes out. And it turns out to not be the case. So for the second time in two short years, Democrats have perpetrated the biggest letdown for their people for the second time. And this is, I hate to rank them, but I'll say number one is the 2016 presidential election where they basically promised everyone that Hillary Clinton was going to be your, your next president. The first female president in history and the next president of the United States. It was Hillary Clinton... All the polls indicated she had a 99% chance of winning. No questions asked. There's no way Donald Trump could make up the ground. They preached that for weeks and months. And they let their people down. Now, in that sense, I don't think they lied. I don't think they purposely lied. I think they actually thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. 
because they bind to these poles and other bullcrap. But that was the biggest letdown that they had ever perpetrated to their people, to their viewers, to their voters. The second one was lying to them for two years about Russia colluding with the president of the United States, then a candidate, but now a president of the United States. They lied. They continued to push that lie. Did they believe it was true in the beginning? Very possibly. Well, some of them didn't believe it because they're the people that perpetrated the witch hunt in the first place. They knew what was what. They knew there was no collusion there. But for some in the media, I think they bought into it. And then as time went on, they realized it's probably not true, but they continued with that narrative. Not because they hoped it was true, but because they thought it could hurt the president and benefit Democrats in 2018 when the midterm elections came around. Now that same philosophy is being applied to the 2020 election. Let's keep the Russia hoax alive. And then maybe we can win the Senate like we won the House in 2018 and we can win the Oval Office. If we can keep the narrative going that Donald Trump is a criminal that colluded with the Russian government, the American people will put a Democrat in office. The, Dem- the, the, the people will put our guy or gal in office. And Donald Trump will then be no more. And it'll be a beautiful thing. We'll all be in a happy, splendid, socialist utopia. Where everybody's a winner, nobody loses, nobody faces consequences. You can abort your baby after birth. It's going to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. (laughs) That's what they're looking to do. So... What are they doing to keep the Russia hoax alive? Well, you've seen it. I don't really have to explain it to you, but they're they're going as far as they can to make the lives of those around Donald Trump or even those who used to be around Donald Trump as miserable as possible. They've just subpoenaed, the, the House Judiciary Committee has just subpoenaed Hope Hicks. Hope Hicks, as you know, she is the uh, the former communications director for the Trump administration. She finally hung it up because, honestly, there was the whole Rob Porter thing where that you know she was dating that guy, and then there was these accusations came out that he beats women or whatever, and none of that ever came to fruition. We never found any proof that he beats women, but he had to resign anyway. Probably another hit job from the left. But it wasn't long after that she decided to hang it up because the Democrats started coming after her, wanting her to testify, which she had no problem doing. She did it. But the talk started about how they were going to take down everybody in the Trump administration that they could until they got what they wanted, which was somebody to admit that Donald Trump did something illegal. Whether he did or not is beside the point. They don't care if Donald Trump actually committed a crime. 
They don't care about the repercussions of whatever crime he committed. They don't care about any of that. If they did, they would be going after the people in their own party. They would be going after a guy that is leading the Democrat pack in the presidential race, Joe Biden, for his ties to, 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 to China. If they cared, if they actually cared about the blowback or the results of some of these illegal activities going on with presidential candidates, they got plenty to go after in their own party. They got Hillary Clinton colluding with Russia. They got the Hillary Clinton campaign colluding with Ukraine. It's all over the place. But they're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole because it's not about the crime. It's not about politicians doing bad things. It's not about politicians doing illegal things. It's about one thing and one thing only. And that is taking down Donald Trump, getting the revenge they feel they rightly deserved because of how he embarrassed them in November of 2016 and how he has embarrassed them every single day since. Embarrassed the Democrats, embarrassed the media, exposed the deep state. They want revenge, and that's why you see these subpoenas fly. Now, as you know, the White House has officially stepped up and said, okay, here's the deal. We've played along. We've given Mueller every single document he ever wanted. We have allowed people to testify. We have done everything we needed to do in order to let you guys do what you feel like you need to do, and that is investigate me and my campaign and my, my administration. They played along. Donald Trump pushed back verbally. He pushed back on Twitter. Yeah, big deal. So what? They never stopped this investigation from going forward, and they did everything they could to provide any information, any and all information to these people so they could finish it. Because that was the main thing. Finish it. We're giving you what you need. Finish it. Well, it's finished. It shows no collusion. It shows no obstruction of justice. Because if there were obstruction of justice, Mueller would have said so. But he didn't. He left... He left it open-ended because he's a political hack. He's James Comey 2.0. But it's not there. It's not there. So they take it to the next level and they pretend that the, the Mueller investigation is just, you know, on repeat. They're just starting it up again. And they're going to investigate all these people. They're going to they're gonna force all these people to testify. And the, right, the White House rightfully stood up is they should have done long ago. Finally stood up and said, you know what? Y'all are just playing games at this point. Y'all are just playing games and we're no longer going to play along. We did what we were supposed to do. We allowed you guys to look into whatever you wanted to look into. We provided everything you needed. But now that that's over, we're not playing this game. We're not letting you talk to anybody you want to. We're not giving you every document you want. So knock yourself out. Subpoena yourself till you're blue in the face. We don't care. We're not abiding by it. Because guess what? If the Trump administration and things that fall under the executive privilege umbrella, if 
they are forced, if they have to testify in front of Congress, in front of the House Democrat Circus Judiciary Committee, if they have to do that, then that means Donald Trump and his attorneys can uh, force people like Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff to come to the White House and be interrogated by them. I mean, if we're looking at the way this is structured, that should be how it works. Congress is not a more powerful branch than the executive branch. This is a co-equal branch of government. They don't have more power than the White House does. And the White House doesn't have more power than they do. So, where's it at, cuz? They're stepping up, and they're making sure that their guys aren't being uh, unnecessarily harassed by these lunatics on the left. These lunatics in the House of Representatives. But they're also giving them enough rope to hang themselves because the more they push this, the worse it is on them coming up in 2020. Because the American people are only going to put up with this kind of crap for so long. There's plenty more to talk about on that front. Also, we got to get into the abortion stuff, all that, this and that and the other. Uh, but right now, I need to bring on a very special friend of mine. It's my buddy. My buddy from Breitbart. My buddy from Hunts, Vegas. Jeff Poor, what's up, my friend? What's going on, man? Good to be on with you. Man, it is. When's the last time you've been on the show? It's been a while. It's been a hot moment, but it uh, doesn't seem like it's been too long. Well, probably the last time I did a podcast. I'm so inconsistent with this stuff. Um, I'm not quite as responsible as you are, Jeff Poor, but one day, one day I'm going to be as responsible as you. Um, I found out on the backside that you were at the same Bernie Sanders rally that I was on Sunday night. So let's talk about that for a minute. I hate that I didn't get to hang out with you. I did a Facebook Live video and all that. I could have brought you on there, man. We could have had like a roundtable discussion. Well, I might have given away my covert operation, though, as the Breitbart guy at a Bernie Sanders rally. Now, tell me what you were wearing at the Bernie Sanders rally. Oh, I went very incognito t-shirt, jeans. No Breitbart that. polo, nothing like that? No, nothing like that. I... I you know, you don't want to dress up too snazzy for a uh, Bernie Sanders rally, because then people get, they get a little suspicious. You should have, you should have dyed your hair green like twenty, the, the other twenty five percent of people there. Well, I know that you, you, you didn't stick around for the uh, the rally that happened after the Bernie Sanders rally. Oh, oh the the abortion, the 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 pro abortion protest. No, I actually, here's what happened. <laughs> this is crazy. We uh, Bernie, we knew Bernie was getting ready to wrap it up. He was giving his last few lines, and we're like, let's go ahead and get out of here. We don't want to get caught up in this freak show and, and have to sit in in uh, traffic of, of a bunch of weirdos with multicolored hair and pajama pants. Uh, so we get out of there. We turn the corner, and this is between the park and the Civil Rights Museum. And you know how the stage was set up where the back of the stage was facing that way. Well, apparently Bernie had come off the stage 
and he was crossing the crosswalk, I guess, to go over to his bus or whatever they had. And um, as we're driving by, my girlfriend Trish is like, there he is right there. Say something. And so I started yelling Bernie real loud, and he looked up, and then I yelled MAGA, and then I drove off into the sunset. That was my shining moment. I'm sure he appreciated that a lot. Oh, yeah. He's probably still talking about it. Might have changed that, uh, his mind about all the socialism stuff. That abortion, uh, that, that pro-choice rally, it, 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 I thought it was a lot, a lot weirder than a Sanders rally. Uh, that's that was the real freak show. You just saw the warm-up act, and uh, then it, then things kind of went off the rails after that. Like the two crowds merged, and then they fed off of each other, and it was really just I don't know how to describe it. Very. Uh, a lot of angry people uh, with a uh, um, some death cult mentality, but very festive music. <laughs> right, Luke's saying festive music. Um, yeah, the last time I went to any sort of protest style rally or whatever that was at that park was when WYDE sent me to a Black Lives Matter rally, which at the end of that, they were screaming, kill Whitey. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and and dip. I think my assignment is over here. But you stayed for the abortion rally. How did that go? So I, I carry, I had a, my camera with me hanging around my neck. I was rocking the, like, kind of third-rate blogger journalist look, you know, and I looked like I fit in. So I just went up on stage with the, the, the pro-abortion folks and just started snapping pictures like I belong. And I've never really been like in that. That was a unique perspective for me. I had never been on that. Usually I'm down in the crowd kind of, you know, trying to lay low. But I, I got really brave for some reason. Went up there. You just see the, the faces and the expressions and the signs and what they're cheering thing. They're cheering for things that you just find totally abhorrent. And uh, I, I, it, it was, I, I guess say it was all pudding, but. It was just a little bizarre for a few moments. It, it was it was festive, but yet dark. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, I can imagine. And, and just judging by the, the the people that were at the Bernie Sanders rally, like, first of all, he, here's my philosophy. Can I just put this out here? I notice, and a lot of people that I know that are left-leaning or liberal or progressive or whatever they call themselves— those are the people that have more bad days than good. And a lot of them battle, and, and this is a serious issue for many of people, so this doesn't really, I'm not trying to put anybody in a category other than the liberal people. Most liberal people that I know battle anxiety and battle depression, like, in a, in a serious way, almost daily. And I can't help, and, and that's the way I viewed these people that were at the Bernie rally. I can't think I can't help but to think that those two have something to do with each other. Cuz if you're believing the liberal mentality, if if you if you've bought into that, it would be depressing and you would be depressed on a daily basis. I mean, think about this. Donald Trump is your president. The world is going to end in 12 years. I mean, who wouldn't be freaked out by all that? But it's also you're striving toward an unattainable utopia, I think, and you're always going to be dissatisfied with the status quo. 
Uh, you didn't get it with Barack Obama, and he was supposed to be the guy that was going to bring this this new brave new world. He didn't quite bring it. He brought us Trump, to be honest. But you exist in this political ideology that you think that the government has the ability to solve all your problems. Maybe for some people, a handful of people, it can solve all their problems. But like for a mass population to think that like there's a political ideology that's going to fix everything, it's unobtainable. It's it's not. There's no way you could ever get there. So you're just going to be perpetually dissatisfied, and that's the sense I get with a lot of these people that like they they don't realize. I think some of them don't realize that they can control their own destiny, but they just think for whatever reason there's something holding them back. And I guess for lack of a of a better thing to point to, it, it tends to be government. That's where you get this sort of uh, unsatisfactory crowd that show up at these Bernie Sanders type rallies. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm with you 100% on that. By the way, we are on YouTube where we're broadcasting live. We are apparently people can't hear you um for whatever reason. It's something on this end, not your end. Uh but so for for people that are listening live, just work with me cuz just just hang tight. We'll get there. You can actually we will have your audio on the podcast version, so never fear. You can go back and listen to that. Um let me move on, Jeff, though, to What's going on in Alabama with that abortion issue we were just talking about? You are very in tune with the state politics of Alabama, and I'm surprised that we don't have national news media hitting you up and saying, hey, will you come do a hit on the show and talk about what's going on in Alabama? Because I don't know anybody that's more in tune with state politics than you are and uh, you can provide some good insight, but we'll just keep you for ourselves. What are you seeing personally coming out of, we know what the reaction in the heartland is, in Alabama and across the country. What are you seeing in particular in the state capital of Montgomery on this issue? Did they push it through and they've uh, washed their hands of it, or are they, what's, what's the next step? They're caught very flat-footed. I don't think they anticipated this sort of national media reaction. The problem is, Andrew, who is the face of this? Who is the face of this whole movement? And the media, the national media especially, I don't know if you watch Saturday Night Live. You probably don't. I wouldn't blame you. But they have these 25 male Republican senators, all white men from the state Senate, as the face of this. They were just guys that voted on the bill. The bill was sponsored and authored by a woman named Terry Collins. She's a state representative from Decatur. She was the one who crafted this, and, and, and she's, she explains it really well, I think, that she crafted it in a way that contradicted everything about Roe v. Wade because she says it's the wrong decision on abortion. So that's why there's no rape or incest exceptions, and, and that's why they want to establish personhood in the womb. But she hasn't really been the face of it. Maybe she should be. Maybe she shouldn't. But either way, Kay Ivey signed this into law, and it doesn't have a good spokesperson out there talking what they're trying to accomplish here. Now, to agree or disagree, I mean, the, the issue of abortion I don't think will ever come to a compromise on. You're either for it or you're against it. Uh, but that being said, there needs to be somebody kind of out in front of this from the state of Alabama and, you know, here we are. You got a very charged up pro-choice crowd talking about boycotting our state, 
talking about, uh, you know, uh, just uh, giving the state a bad name. And I think what would go a long way in helping out the state out there that could say, this is what's going on with this law. This is what we're trying to do. Agree or disagree with us. But there's no, the, the, the perception is it's just Alabama being crazy. They are just trying to one-up another state. They are trying to go do a Roy Moore type uh, thing here, and we're and we're just a bunch of dumb, toothless, Bible thumping, crazy rednecks voting for our male senators that want to take away a woman's right to choose. Well, that's not the case at all. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the perception we've gotten from the rest of the country. Uh, there's no doubt. But I was curious because I really haven't heard what the filling in Montgomery was. So basically what's happened is these guys have pushed it through and they did not expect the backlash they faced, or is it more they're not, they they didn't expect it, but they're not concerned about it. Right. So the way the legislature works, uh, I I do think they'll be, they are a little concerned over the weekend. The way the legislature works though is it's a bubble, man. They're not watching Fox News. They're not watching MSNBC. They're cut off from the world, uh, Montgomery, and what they think they did was the right thing to do. And I would argue maybe it is the right thing to do, but they're not aware of a lot of the chatter going on beyond it. I do think that there are some members of the legislature, they they could probably care less about the abortion issue. And a lot of people will say they're pro-life, will say whatever they got to say to get elected. And in Alabama, you got to say you are a pro-life candidate. And then that comes with, well, you got to back it up with your vote, right? And I just don't think they were ready for this kind of backlash at all. They were caught flat-footed. But uh, as, as the show goes on, they're on to lottery. Uh, it looks, the lottery looks like it's really in jeopardy. And then there's other you know, matters of state importance. They're still going to pass the budgets. So they're in this bunker in Montgomery away from kind of all the, all the noise that they created for passing that law. Right. Now, tell me this, and and we're about to cut you loose because I know you you're a busy man. Um, with where was I going with that? I completely forgot. I had a okay. No, with the election coming up, <laughs> I had a brain fart in 2020, and I, I'll even go back and well, I can't remember who said it, but somebody's brought up the fact that I think it was Matt Murphy that this issue is not a good thing leading into 2020 for Trump because it takes eyes off the economy, even foreign policy, and all the other successes that Donald Trump has. Is that legitimate? Is that a legitimate argument? Or is this going to be like anything else? And by the time 2020 gets here, that abortion, uh, the, that, that issue on abortion will kind of die out because we know the the process to get to the Supreme court and go through that whole thing is going to take uh, a lot longer than, you know, when 2020 gets here, the 2020 election. So what's your stance on that point in particular? Dude, do we, are we really to expect that anybody from the democratic party, is it going to hammer Republicans for what they believe on the pro-life side of things? Uh, no matter what the Alabama legislature had done, we really this one. So that's just my problem with that philosophy that, well, we should have avoided this because 
the 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 it's going to make winning in 2020 harder. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, a, I think uh, it'll be a distant memory by then. But B, I, I think that Democrats are going to hammer Republicans on this no matter what, and Republicans and vice versa. Uh, Doug Jones, for example, what do you see whenever you see Terry Lathan, the chairman, chairwoman of the Republican Party, or or uh, Bradley Byrne, who's running for Congress or running for Senate from the U.S. Congress? They're always hitting him on the uh, pro-abortion, pro-life stance, and he is pro-abortion, and that's what they think will win them elections. So I, I don't think either side is pure in this, but I don't think it would have mattered one way or another what the Alabama legislature was doing because it wasn't like they were going to go easy on Republicans if Alabama hadn't passed this law. I'm, I'm with you on that as well because – and I get the argument that Murphy was making. I think it's a legitimate argument, but really – when it comes down to it, when we watch the news cycle and we watch things move and issues move at breakneck speed, what we're talking about today with the abortion issue and the Alabama law and, and laws across the country where people are trying to challenge it, that's not going to be in the forefront by the time we get deep into the election. Like, for instance, when the conventions come. Let me ask you something, though. You, I just mentioned how these politicians, they always write on abortion, but nothing ever changes. It just sort of – the issue lingers, and it, and it goes on and on and on. If, is there any reason to think that maybe perhaps this would backfire if they had not done something? And that, hey, Donald Trump or, hey, uh, Governor Ivey or you know, name your Republican that has run as a pro-life candidate. What, what have you ever done to try to overturn Roe v. Wade? And – that keeps a lot of people at home, I think. I think, uh, especially, I think this is a, I think that the abortion issue is one of the most hot button issues you could get voters out on either side to come out and vote for you. And if you don't look like you're doing something, if you don't look like you're active on that issue, maybe those people stay home. So I, you know, I, I think at, at worst, it's, it's a wash, but I think Republicans tend to, uh, they tend to respond to their elected officials, and uh, if they had, if the Republican Party in Alabama or the the, the, the Republicans in the state legislature hadn't done this, maybe you would have had some Republicans stay home because it looks like the Republicans just use that as a uh, just a typical politician's promise to to act on something. Yeah, yeah, that's good perspective too because um, inaction on that can be viewed as such, which, like you said, would keep people home but you're you're really drawing the line and saying you know this is where i stand and that's something that donald trump hasn't i mean he's brought up the pro-life stuff a few times but i almost viewed it as the same as the issue of gay marriage for instance you don't hear any gay marriage talk coming out of the republican party anymore and you certainly don't hear it from donald trump who was literally you know hired gay people and put them in very high positions uh, as part of the Trump administration. So I think that's where that was at for a while. But now with it at the forefront, he came out and he made, you know, he made a bold statement of I'm pro-life. I don't agree with abortion. But he did say, with the exception of rape and incest and obviously the health of the mother, um, so there it is. He's 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 put out a position, and I think you're right. I think that's more important than not putting out a position or not even bringing it up and leaving the issue to be 
you know, wondered about or gasped to well, whether or not you support it. And, and, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. I won't take up too much of your time on this, but but the thing about abortion, it's unlike any other issue because keep in mind, this was a decision. This, this was 1973, and this was supposed to be settled law, but the decision was such a weak one, and as technology has improved, you can, you can pick apart the decision based on personhood that it, it just has left itself open to these challenges, and that's why it continues to be an issue that we talk of talk and talk about all the time. And I think some sometime or another, either like through, through the congressional process or the court is going to have to make a better definitive ruling or take it back down to the states, because do we really think the Constitution says anything about abortion? I mean, these are all legal questions. But the Roe v. Wade decision itself is acceptable to these challenges. And that's why we never settle this. That's why you have highly charged sides on both things. Issues come and go. Uh, right. You know, race and, 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 and same-sex issues. And, and they all, it seems like society evolves. But the one issue that always is around is this Roe v. Wade abortion decision. And, and then what I think is the problem is that, that no one's had the position or the wherewithal to challenge it and, and get to where we have a better ruling and a better sense of what's what's just and what's legal. And uh, th th that's why we are talking about it. That's why it remains an issue that Republicans and Democrats both like to use. Maybe they don't want it to go away, but uh, if we if we're serious about solving it, then, then the status quo isn't working. And challenging the status quo, be it one way or another, that's got to be that's got to be settled at some point. And until then, we're, we're just going to be just, just like what we're doing right now, just kind of talking and talking and talking about it. And flapping in the wind. Yeah, you're exactly right. All right, Jeff, uh, remind everybody where they can hear you every afternoon in Huntsville. It is on WVNN.com. You can also hear me on the iHeartRadio app. Look at that. You, that means they can listen to you all over the world. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Uh, if you also, so choose. If you so choose. Uh, also, it is important to note, you are a um, contributor, not a contributor, but you write for Breitbart and you write for Yellowhammer News as well. So you guys make sure you uh, keep up with him there. Jeff, thanks, buddy. I will talk to you again soon, my friend. All right, thanks for having me on, Andrew. There you go, my man Jeff Poor. And for those of you watching live, I've got a bazillion messages about how y'all couldn't hear him. And I apologize. If you want to go back and listen to that segment on the podcast version, you can do so. It'll be there. I could actually hear Jeff on this end, so you'll be able to hear it on the podcast. Make sure you go back, check that out. Overthelineshow.com. It is Over the Line, your May 21st, 2019 edition. We're going to talk some more abortion on the other side. I'm going to break down exactly what I think about it and uh, bring up a few other things that you may want to know. Quick break. Back after this.
Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. show.com Again, apologies for those of you listening live. You couldn't hear Jeff, but go back to the podcast, which will be available tonight, and uh, you can listen to that. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, your mama, your daddy, your big fat granny with a hole in her panties. Got it? Got it? Good. A couple quick show notes. Tomorrow at 9 a.m., I will be on with the Michael Hart on the Heart of America podcast. So if you guys keep up with Michael Hart, you listen to his podcast. If you've never heard of it, if you are someone who has started listening to this podcast and you don't know anything about Michael Hart, who used to be a co-worker of mine, and he's a friend, he was uh, on the same radio station I was. You can check out his podcast, which is available at, wait for it, because I totally know where his podcast is available. I'm just trying to be, um, trying to give a dramatic pause real quick. Um, Heart of America... And you just find him on Facebook. He's on black. I don't know what the website is. Gah! I'll find out and let you know. But for those of you that do listen to Michael Hart, I will post that on my uh, or on the Over the Line Facebook page, so you guys are able to listen to that. He's got a really good show. He's a super smart guy, and he is a dear friend of mine. So obviously, I'm going to uh, say he's got a good podcast. I would probably say that even if he didn't. But he does, so it doesn't matter. Hey, let me throw this out there. i got to get into the abortion stuff, and I know we don't have much time left. But uh, I saw this on... The, it's, it's an article from The Sun. And apparently there's a leak that has come out. A leak that says um, NASA is planning for a lunar base... And 37 different rocket launches to the moon. NASA, 
NASA is looking to put a base, a U.S. base, on the moon. Space Force! Space Force! Space Force! Space Force, baby! Space Force! I'm all about the Space Force. Get, cut that off. I'm ready for the Space Force. I'm ready for, I'm ready for it. Could you imagine, though, if we have a, a, an actual base on the moon? And then, how about this? We get a base on the moon, we get used to it, get everything like we like it. Whenever we got problems with Iran or ISIS or any other country that's just, you know, we just need to wipe them out or at least send a message, we just shoot a rocket from the moon. That's right. We'll just send a rocket from the moon right down to Iran, right down to to Syria or North Korea or whatever. The Space Force is that important. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk about. Let me move along. I had a lot of other stuff I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about this impeachment stuff, and and that's all related to the Mueller report. I'm trying to keep it alive. Uh, Several people are calling for the impeachment of Trump. They've got one Republican on their side now. And this guy was actually part of the Freedom Caucus. It's a guy by the name of Justin Amash, or Justin Amash. Amash. I don't know how you pronounce his name. But he's a Republican from Michigan, and he says that uh, Donald Trump has now met the requirements or the standard for impeachment. Now, when pressed on that issue, he can't really give you those exact reasons, uh, but he's on board for impeaching Trump. Now, what's happened here, you ask yourself? Well, the Democrats have gotten to a Republican, and, and that's what they've needed. They need some bipartisan support. So they can continue on with this, because right now, Nancy Pelosi, who is basically the leader of the Democrats in Congress, she's been standoffish about this whole thing because she feels like it could be politically damaging. And it will be politically damaging no matter who you got on your side. People are sick of this stuff. They're sick of hearing about it. But they've gotten to this guy whether, and I'm, you are going to say I'm just making this stuff up. And then that I I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm just being a conspiracy theorist. But they've got something on this guy. I am telling you, Justin Amish, they've got something on this guy. He's not gung ho about impeaching Trump, and he knows it's a bad idea politically. But something, this dude has done something. It's either that or he's actually caught up in this Russia witch hunt. And once the inspector general and Bill Barr finish their investigations, not Bill Barr, but the new prosecutor, once they bring out some information on their investigations, this guy may be implemented on it. And he's trying to do what he can to cover his tracks. But continue to watch this infighting. The best way to know if there's going to be some good stuff coming out in these reports is watch Clapper Watch Comey, watch Brennan, watch these old Obama guys start taking shots at each other. They're doing that because they're trying to cover their own backside. It's already happening. You've got McCabe taking shots at Comey. You've got Loretta Lynch taking shots at Comey, him taking shots back. They're scrambling. 
it's about to get ugly for those guys. And I'm not saying that in, in, in just a sense of, you know, it's not wishful thinking. The hammer's about to come down. That's why they've worked so hard to damage the reputation of Bill Barr. And that's why they continually, in the media, call him the president's spokesperson, the president's personal lawyer. Because when he comes out with the truth, the truth about the deep state, the truth about the corruption in the Justice Department, they're going to go back to, oh, he's just Trump's lawyer. He's Trump's personal attorney. Of course he would say these awful things, these lies that, that they use the, the, the fake dossier they knew was fake to start the Russian investigation. It's coming. It's coming. But the truth is going to be out there. And it's not going to be a good look for these guys. Anyway, so you got calls for impeachment. You've got uh, Ocasio-Cortez calling for impeachment. She, here's, here's what she said. She said, uh, we've got to impeach Trump. And if we don't, it is neglecting due process. <laughs> she said... The failure to impeach Donald Trump is to neglect due process. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure, that impeaching Trump on the information you've currently got is the opposite of due process. But maybe that's just me. Also, AOC, here's the thing. She is an absolute gift from heaven for people like myself, for, for political talking heads on TV and on the radio. She is a gift. She, she does these Facebook and Instagram live videos or these Twitter live videos where just spur of the moment she, she turns that puppy on and she just starts talking and talking and talking. And it's just so good. So good. She was in the Bronx, and she was going by one of these community gardens and talking about how it, it was almost hard to follow her. She got on this thing about how we need to make sure we are growing things that are, I, I don't know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't make sense of it. I'm just going to let you listen to it real quick, and then I'm going to get into the abortion stuff. That's really how you do it right. That is such a core component of the Green New Deal is having all of these projects make sense in a cultural context. And it's an area that I and we get the most pushback on um, because people say like, why do you need to do that? That's too hard. But when you really think about it, when someone says that it's too hard, to do a green space that grows yucca instead of, I don't know, cauliflower or something. Um, it, you're, what you're doing is that you're taking a colonial approach to environmentalism. <laughs> what? <laughs> because you're growing cauliflower, it's a colonial approach to environmentalism. Because they come with a colonial, colonial lens on them and and it should be no surprise that um that sometimes a lot of these projects some don't work out occasionally because 
our communities are naturally in tune to live in an environmentally conscious way. You know, a lot of us are one or two generations removed from living off the land. My family in, in Puerto Rico, in many ways, lives off the land. But um, if I went to a predominantly white community and said, okay, you guys are gonna be growing plantains and yuca and all these things that you don't know how to cook, it's, and that your palate isn't accustomed to, it's gonna be like cute for a little bit, but it's not easy. You need to make it as easy as possible to kind of just flow into these communities and to make- What in God's name is this lady talking about? She's saying that for the environment, and and this is my translation, because I honestly don't know what in the what in the heck she's saying, but I'm gonna guess, and she's saying that people that are used to cook. Okay, let's go white people. White people that are used to growing green beans and. Uh, watermelons and uh, okra and tomatoes and whatever else. Like, we need, and see, I'm talking like her, like, uh, we need to, like, uh, give you some, some plants and some vegetables, like, that you're, like, not accustomed to, like, such as. I don't even know what the other things she was saying were. We need to get people to grow things that not only they don't like to grow, but they don't even like to eat the stuff. Stuff that's not part of your culture. The cultures are stupid, by the way. Not not cultures in themselves, but this moniker of how important culture is, it's a it's a made up thing by the left. So for the environment, we need to force people to grow the vegetables that other people like for themselves. So for instance, if you like growing a garden and you only like uh, green beans and tomatoes and whatever else you hate okra I don't know what culture okra is from I think it's just a southern thing maybe no idea anyway I, I, I don't know what she's saying I don't even know why I'm talking about this cauliflower is colonialism that's that's what you should learn from that anyway let me move over to the abortion issue because I'm, I'm way I'm getting way off in left field and I gotta get out of here um the abortion issue has spiked because of the, in particular, not just the laws that have been passed. And yeah, I guess Georgia kind of kicked this off with a heartbeat bill. But Alabama followed through with the strictest abortion laws in the country. Now, the selective moral outrage from people, from the left, from people that don't even politically identify themselves as anything, they just think abortion's cool and it should be available for whatever reason. These people don't even understand why they're outraged. They think they do. They think they're outraged because uh, you cannot get an abortion in Alabama now and then that's going to spread like wildfire across the country. They, they believe that. Now, 
the first piece of information they would need to know is you can still get an abortion in Alabama. It's going to be six months before this law is even implemented. And the purpose is not even to implement this law. It's to have the Supreme Court talking about Roe v. Wade in the sense of they want to move it down to a a state level and let states decide. And people don't comprehend this. They think that if one state makes a law that everybody else should have to follow that. And if that was the case, none of us would be able to use plastic straws, okay? Could you imagine if we had to follow the same laws as California? This nation would crash and burn, okay? We'd all be paying $20 for a gallon of gas. But the more local the government, the better. Why is that? Because if a a, a local government, and we'll just say on a state level, makes laws and, and, and implements policies that you don't like, there's another state, and chances are it's the state next door, does have the laws that you like, does have the policies that you like. So you move. Or if you don't want to move, you just go visit that state and do whatever it is you want to do, like kill your baby or whatever. You just go next door and do it. People don't think about these things. I talked to several people that are outraged about this abortion issue. And they just don't understand it. They're seeing tweets or a Facebook post or hearing blurbs on the news or seeing a headline. And they're cueing the outrage without fully understanding what's going on here. Now, as far as I'm concerned... And where I stand on the issue, and I've, I've explained this a hundred times in personal conversations, I understand the horrors of somebody being raped, raped or an incest situation or whatever. And also, let me say this, I understand it to an extent that someone who has never been through that can understand it. What I'm saying is I understand the argument of someone not wanting to go through the trauma of carrying a child that was conceived from rape. That's got to be an extremely horrifying process. And there's tons of people that go through horrifying things in this country and across the globe on a daily basis. There, there's no denying that, and we can't pretend like these horrible things don't happen. But it is important to note that the percent of people that are raped and are impregnated by their rapist or deal with an incest situation is a very small percentage. So if we are discussing the abortion issue and we are just talking about the exceptions of those situations, it is a very, very minuscule number. And if you believe that abortion should be okay in those situations, excluding the health of the mother, because that's everybody agrees with that, if you're picking one life over the other, you got to do something. But if we're talking about just the exceptions, 
There's a lot of people torn there. And the liberals that I've talked to, a lot of them are, are mainly concentrated on that portion because the media is using that portion of the Alabama bill to cause the outrage, to invoke the outrage. For me, it would be hypocritical of me to say abortion is immoral, abortion is murder, and it shouldn't happen unless the child is conceived from rape or incest. That would be hypocritical of me to say that if I claim I'm pro-life. Now, what do you mean by that, Andrew? I'm glad you asked. I cannot bring myself to say that a child conceived from a horrific situation, that that child's life matters less than a child that was conceived by accident that wants to be aborted because of a convenience factor. How you were conceived does not make you less of a human being. That's it. I I cannot claim to be pro-life and tell you that it's okay to end the life of a child because of how it was conceived. But what needs to happen is instead of the hateful rhetoric, and I'm I'm about to be nice, Andrew, for a minute. Instead of the hateful rhetoric back and forth, instead of demonizing people that are having abortions and whatever else, people need to come together and they need to support these people. The people that aren't ready for a child that are in a horrible situation, they don't have a job, they're a single mom, um, they're, they're addicted to drugs, whatever the case is. Those people need to be supported, even if they're going to give their baby up for adoption. Instead of condemnation and judgment, show these people love. Show them the same love that that child deserves. And then let them make the decision on whether they want to keep the child themselves or they want to put it up for adoption. Especially the people from those horrific situations. There are plenty of people that would be willing to adopt a child no matter how that child was conceived. Because most of these adoption parents do not care how that child's life was formed. Whether it's a bad situation, an accident, or just whatever. They don't care because they view that child as exactly what it is. A human being that is born into this cruel world just like the rest of us were. And that child's life matters just as much as any other child's life. So if you're going to be pro-life, you got to be pro-life. If you claim to be pro-life and you want exceptions when it comes to this abortion issue, 
then don't say you're pro-life. Say I'm squishy pro-life. I'm kind of pro-life. I'm only pro-life when, you know, this, that, and the other. Because if you're against abor- if you're against abortion, if you're against it, because you view that child as a human being as a life, you view that beating heart as a life form, but think that it's okay to abort this baby because it was conceived in an ill manner, then you're tripping over yourself. Why is that child less of a person? Or why does that child have less rights to to live life than the ones that are just an accident? That's where I'm at with it. But I had a conversation with a Gulf War veteran today. I picked him up from the VA and I took him home. Super nice guy. Enjoyed this Talking to this man, we didn't really talk about old stories, which I would love to do. I had limited time. But we talked about the uh, the abortion issue itself. And he brought up a great point. He said, we've watched these politicians and we've watched these Democrats normalize abortion. And it's twofold. They normalize abortion by dehumanizing children. By dehumanizing babies, by changing terms or, you know, being careful about how they refer to a fetus or conception. It's just like NPR. There's there's a a report out that NPR is uh, giving pointers to their journalists to not use terms while discussing the abortion issue that would humanize babies or that would in, in any way shine pro-life people in a good light. NPR. Public radio. Taxpayer funded. I just broke my vape, by the way. That's how excited I am. They're telling people not to normalize pro-life people. But what he said was, we go through these processes. We watch the Democrats normalize abortion, dehumanize babies, and keep moving the goalpost until we get to a point like we saw with the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, where he wants to abort babies after they're born. And they just keep moving the goalpost and keep moving it. They say once it's mainstream, once everybody thinks abortion is not a big deal, it's like a, a dental procedure, which that point has actually been made by Democrats. It's like going to the dentist then we could just keep moving and keep moving. Because people are going to be cool with it. They don't care. It's just a clump of cells. It's just a fetus. We'll just stick a stick a vacuum up in there and suck its brains out and rip it limb from limb. That's morbid, but that's actually what happens. It's disgusting. What else is disgusting is how the left almost fangirls over people that have had an abortion. I was watching a rally and uh, I guess this was in, I think this was on Capitol Hill. And you had Maisie Hirono and some of the other Democrats and in particular Jackie Spear was out speaking. And she brought up the fact that she had had an abortion. 
And what do you think that crowd of left-leaning, baby-killing wackos did when Representative Jackie brought up that she's had an abortion in the past? You heard that. She said, I'm one of those women that have had an abortion. And the crowd cheered. They cheered for this lady because she has made the decision to kill a child. That's where the left's at. That's where they're at. And... It shouldn't be lost on anyone, the hypocrisy, that the left supports this. In particular, how the left supports Planned Parenthood, for instance. Planned Parenthood, founded by the one and only Margaret Sanger, who was very racist, and who was looking to, in a very Hitler-esque way, Make in this country a cleaner race. Okay, she used these terms. A cleaner race by killing off the unwanted babies. In particular, African-American babies. You will find... You will find Planned Parenthoods across the country that are located in... Black neighborhoods. Most of them are. And in lower income neighborhoods as well. That is by design. That is by design. And that's not to say they only take black people or they don't take white people. But this is a, an organization that's founded in racism. Forget the killing of the babies. Forget the corruption of these guys doing what they can to keep the baby intact after they kill it so they can sell it and stuff the money in their pockets even though they're being funded by taxpayers. Forget all that. The racism that this organization was founded on causes a strong dose of hypocrisy for the Democrats that they've yet to face. They've yet to confront. I noticed if you keep up with the Hangout Festival, which happens in Gulf Shores, Alabama, down uh, close to Florida at the beach, for those of you that don't know your Alabama geography, um, that was brought up by one of the artists at the Hangout Festival. It's a rapper by the name of Travis Scott. Um, I don't personally know who Travis Scott is. I don't really listen to the rap music of today. I mean, I know some of these guys, but it's not because I listen to their music. But this Travis Scott guy, mid-set, in the middle of his performance, proclaimed to the crowd this quote right here. I want to donate my net profits from my merch today to Planned Parenthood. We feel for those in Alabama. I love you all. I just want everyone to know 
that love is the strongest thing that we can have. So to anyone out there, man, woman, I want to dedicate this song to you. Whatever song that was, I don't know. But his plan was to take all the money he made there at the Hangout Festival from his merchandise and donate it to Planned Parenthood in protest of the Alabama laws. But the main part of it, the part he wants you to know, is love is the strongest thing we can have. And nothing says love like murdering your child. The left is the only group of people that can associate love with murder, with homicide. But the irony here, as I'm leading up to, is that Travis Scott, an African-American man, successful guy, rapper extraordinaire, is donating his merchandise sales the money he makes off his merchandise at this concert to an organization that was founded to weed out black people from the population. And not just black people. It was different races. The races that weren't white. They were described by Margaret Sanger as weeds of society. The equivalent of weeds in your yard that you have to pull up. The weeds that make your lawn look crappy. That's the way Planned Parenthood views the black people of this country. And it is possibly the most racist organization that currently exists in this country. And I will bank on that. The biggest threat to an African-American person in this country right now, believe it or not, is not Chicago, it's not other African-Americans, it's not black-on-black crime. The biggest threat to the life of African-Americans is Planned Parenthood. And if we want to be honest, no matter how you feel about abortion... That's where this abortion conversation should start. It should start with defunding Planned Parenthood. Defunding state-sanctioned murder that's based in racism. I'm curious about this Travis Scott guy, about his music. I don't know nothing about his music. Let me me pull up some Travis Scott real quick. Y'all want to hear that? Hold on a second. Let's see here. Travis, where you Travis Scott? Let's try this. Made this here with all the ice on in the booth. At the gate outside, when they pull up, they give me loose. Yeah, jump out, boys. That's Nike boys hopping our coast. Way too big when we pull up, give me the loot. Sending my plan parenthood some money. Killing all the black people in my neighborhood. Take my profits, kill some babies. Anyway, you can tell he's an upstanding member of society. 
and he is uh, officially on the record for contributing to the racism and genocide of babies in this country. I hope he is proud of himself. Outside of that, I think that's about all I got. Um, there was a thing, since we're talking about Alabama, there was that one thing where uh, you're familiar with the show, the cartoon Arthur. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Arthur. He's the guy that looks like a, a, a whatever he is. is a weasel or a ferret or a possum. I don't know what that character is, but apparently in one of the newer episodes there was um, a gay wedding that was taking place. And, and I don't know the the details of you know how the episode unfolded. I didn't I didn't read that much into it. But there was a gay wedding on this cartoon that is made for kids, in particular very small children. And APT, Alabama Public Television, decided to not run that on their station. Now, first of all, I don't know how many people are watching Alabama Public Television these days. uh, But it caused more selective moral outrage across the country. Because they didn't want to indoctrinate children with the confusing concept of gay marriage. How dare them? How dare them? Don't forget to keep up with the Over the Line page. We'll be giving you more info on our new business, Mana Health and Wellness. Make America natural again. You're going to want to check it out. Contact me for more information. Also, OverTheLineShow.com. Podcast coming tonight. We'll post it. Make sure you share that with your friends. Tell your people and uh, all that stuff. Don't forget Michael Hart's show tomorrow. I'll be on at 9 o'clock and all next week on Talk 99.5. Filling in for Matt Murphy on the morning show with Andrea Lindenberg. We will be back soon with a brand new episode of Over the Line. And until then, see you,